Hello! Welcome to another exciting episode of Buckeye Bombast with Bellhaven and the Boy! An exciting episode, indeed. We give you our reaction and recap to... The thrilling Rose Bowl. There is fun and Ohio excitement 40. aplenty. Ohio State 48 to Utah 45. Uh, man, what a uh, what a game. Definitely uh, we're, we're moving around quite a lot that game, uh, especially in the uh, in the first half. Yeah, when they just kept kept giving up their momentum and points. It was an amazing game. It's the type of game that um, while you're watching it, it sucks because you know you don't want it to be that close. You want to be destroying the other team, um, but it is one that you will remember. Uh, as a Buckeye fan, everybody out there will remember. It's just like I always talk about my freshman year, the LSU game when we were there and we came back and won. It's a story, and this will become a story. You'll remember this game. Um, it was a it was it was a pretty nice comeback. Yes, it was. Um, so, just initial thoughts. Obviously, we'll, we'll get into more of the nitty gritty details, but. I think I told you, well, first I didn't realize how many, you know, guys were going to be out. I knew there was going to be a lot, but not, not as many, um, as there actually were. And, um, I think I told you. And the ones that were out decided to, uh, you know, tweet during the whole game, you know, a bunch of silliness. (laughs) Right. And I told you when it was 14 nothing that uh, uh, they're going to have to score 45 if they want to win this game, if they're going to win this game. And uh, lo and behold, <laughs> that's what it took. Yeah, that's what it took. Uh, a full 48. But, yeah, obviously we'll get into it. Uh, but, man, it was awesome at least to watch that offense. Uh, uh, and specifically, Stroud... And JSN, uh, man, was that awesome! JSN, that guy, it, it, best receiver ever it, when it comes to bowls. Uh, he he holds the record for yards in all bowls of all time. And man, it's like when he caught the ball, you got to the point where you were expecting at least another ten to fifteen yards. Uh, and just some of the catches he was making and the ball placement from Stroud. It just so pretty. I remember the Indiana game. Yeah, you know, we were there for it and we saw that pass he made over the middle. Um, the seats we were in, uh, they were they were driving that 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 uh to that end of the field and so we had a very good look at that. And I remember watching it afterwards and I remember saying to your mom, Oh, you gotta watch this. You may not appreciate this, but what you're about to see is a thing of beauty. Well, he had a couple of <laughs> passes in this game that blow those away and a couple of the, in a oh, couple yeah. of more touchdown passes. And I think both of them were the, both to uh, JSN. They, they might've been, but just pretty. Yeah. I, I watched uh, some of the highlights from sky cam view and oh man, it was even better. Especially that. Yeah. That last touchdown 
Uh, he just that he dropped in to to go up seven late in the fourth. Oh man, sexy. Yeah, you'll have to you have to go watch that. But yeah, it's it seems like over the past you know the past few quarterbacks have thrown that type of ball really well. But I don't know. I think CJ may throw it the best. He does. Uh, he does. You give him time, and, he, and, and you know Michigan recognized that 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 was their whole thing. You, you can't give him time, and and. That's one of the games, like you said, we'll get into it, but that's one of the things that um, made this game different than the Michigan game was that, yeah, Ohio State's defense looked stupid again, but the offense gave the, the offensive line gave Stroud all day to throw. And when he has all day to throw, watch out. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, of course, Utah secondary was depleted. Of course, that that number two was running back who was guarding, but he only guarded um, JSN on the one touchdown. I mean, otherwise, they were playing zone most of the time, and they found the holes pretty easily. Uh, And C.J. Stroud got the ball out. They found the holes, and, I mean, yeah, that was a lot of it, the yards after catch. And so I think that's just coverage all around on on the Utah secondary. But yeah, yeah. So Utah, um, here's the key: when you play a zone, the purpose of the zone is to keep the stuff in front of you and not allow those uh, yards after the catch. Uh, it was kind of funny. It's kind of silly um, how, how their defense looked and made ours look like they were actually, you know, had a pulse or something. Right. Uh, I think the the big and especially in that in that first quarter, um, something that we've talked about before. I think the the big key play that really got the drive uh, going and the, and the start of the offense going was that third down and eight. They had two previous possessions where they just stalled. Utah's up fourteen nothing. What does C.J. Stroud do? He doesn't find anybody. He sits there. He finds the hole in the middle and he runs and he dives for the first down. And after that, it was completely different. Now, he didn't run at all the rest of the game, but he ran that one play that he absolutely needed to, and that sparked everything. So that's what we've been talking about. And I thought, I thought that was beautiful because he didn't, you know, he doesn't need to run the ball, but when it calls for it, he should. And just like that, didn't call for it the rest of the game. He probably could have a couple times, but that was the one key play, and he made it. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I would like to see him run more. Um, I think he can. He's capable, obviously. That that run shows he's capable. Uh, his touchdown last year against Michigan State shows that he can take the read option and take it to the house. Um, if they're going to continue to throw out a whole bunch of offensive tackles, they need to figure out how to get him involved uh, in the uh, run game a bit more. Um, because I, I think the outcome will be just like you you described. Um, and, and I think that will be a good safety valve in the future. Yeah, and then you you know fast track through the, the rest of the game. Uh, Ohio State, you know, gets a shot, Utah you know, scores, um, Ohio state quickly answers and then boom, you let up the special teams touchdown. 
Momentum taken away again. Down two touchdowns yet again. What you do? They come back. They strike another touchdown. They let up the terrible fourth and one crazy run for a touchdown. Yeah. Somehow. That that and was just back up to two scores. Silly. And then you know, so three different times they were down two scores. They could have been, you know, they could have put it away, but they fought back. Uh, something, you know, that we really haven't seen them been able to do when they've been down. Um, you know, they, they've called, they tried to call it back against Oregon, almost did it against Michigan, but the defense was just too bad. Then they ran out of time. They did it here against Utah. Um, you know, they had that, uh, uh, you know, fumble right before the half, uh, but they come out of half and then they have the interception and, uh, it looked, it looked grim, but right after that, they just score after score. Um, it, it seemed like, and, uh, they, they kept pushing the defense stepped up, uh, in a big way. And yeah, that was, uh, that was a great second half going from of course, 35 points to 10 points, uh, scoring. What was, what was that? 20, 27 more points in the second half. So, yep. Um, yeah, the, whatever was said in the locker room at halftime, you know, it, it stirred him up. This team played hard. Apparently um, it was Demario McCall. The, yeah. Which is awesome. Um, we'll talk about the defense in a second, but yeah, I mean, that's type of game, you, type of game you want, you know, you're down, you, you keep getting, unlucky breaks and then you keep fighting and, uh, you know, every uh, thing, things start to fall your way. So, um, I think what's, once it was like 38, 31, uh, I knew we, we would probably win uh, Utah was just gassed. We were just marching through them, having a field day with them anyway, which way we wanted to. Um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's one for the memory books, you know, definitely one, for a while that I'll just go back and watch some highlights. Um, obviously not the type of game we wanted, but you know, Ohio State wins. Rose Bowl champions, they get to go out, go out with a win and a, f- a fourth consecutive Rose Bowl win in the last three decades. So yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously I said they were going to curb stomp Utah, so I was wrong on that. Um, they should have. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Utah is a decent team. Um, they had two nice wins against the same team, Oregon, who, by the way, beat us. I get that. But Utah, they're not great. Uh, we should have beat them a lot worse than we did. But I think the next best thing to a curb stomping was this outcome. It may be even better, honestly, if we're being honest about it. Because if it were... Similar to the Washington game, you know, where we kind of got ahead and, and let them slowly claw back, never really in doubt, but ended up being a close game. Um, I don't know that it would have showed me anything like this one did, because you made a very good point. You know, they fought back and won. They couldn't do it against Oregon, and it wasn't because C.J. Stroud wasn't good. He was very good. And you and I talked about this at the time. You know, the, the fans that were um, pinning it on Stroud were just morons. Um, yes, this is Buckeye Bombast, and we sound like 
complete morons quite often, but that's kind of the point. That's why it's called Buckeye Bombast. It's it's about us being fans coming in after a game and getting all of that out. But we knew better than that back then. It was because Stroud didn't have the experience. He had a couple of opportunities to bring them back in that game and just couldn't do it. He still had a, a really good game. Uh, against Michigan, it really wasn't on Stroud. To your point, it was the defense. Uh, because in the Oregon game, the defense, although it looked deplorable, in the fourth quarter, it actually showed up for the most part and gave uh, the offense a couple of opportunities, not just one, but a couple of opportunities in the fourth quarter to, to tie that game up, and they just couldn't do it. In the Michigan game, uh, yeah, the offense, they only scored 27 points, so yeah, there's certainly uh, some things they could have done better, uh, like protecting the quarterback, run the ball better, but at the end of the day, they couldn't come back as a team and win. And they did that. They did that, and they did it with a team that's basically going to be back next year, right? And now people know. They, they, they knew midway through the season how awesome Stroud was, how awesome the offense is. But, you know, did they have that fight uh, that they were lacking. Well, now they have the fight. So next year they're going to come back with that same offense, basically. You know, it, obviously it. We all see it doesn't matter that we're losing Olave and Wilson. Next, <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll have Hednerson back, right. likely Mayan Williams. Um, probably have to reshuffle the offensive line a bit. Uh, but obviously Stroud back. The receivers are going to be awesome. Um. So now you got that awesome offense, and the team has fight. They understand it on the big stage of the Rose Bowl, how to come back against a, a good team, right? They'll have a better defensive coordinator, and, and ideally, just by default, um, a better defense. And even if they don't have like a top 10 defense, if they can cut, if they can get through the year at least in the top 30, um, obviously you want better, but in the top 30 defense, it's, it's going to be, um, definitely playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, speaking of the defense, you know, big shout out to uh, a couple of those guys, uh, definitely, you know, Eichenberg, um, who's been, uh, it's been rough all year for him. Um, yes. He, he looked like the downhill linebacker that we're used to, where, you know, you, you see ball, you run through a blocker, and you get the ball. Uh, he did that uh, definitely a few times. He had some good open field tackles. Um, you know, a couple for a loss are really nice. Yeah, he uh, did. In second half. And, and, yeah, I give a shout-out to him as well because, you know, in our bombast, I've ripped on players. Probably shouldn't do that as much as I do. It's you know, at the end of the day, they're just going out to play football. But he's one of them. You know, I, I haven't been kind at all to the linebacking core, and and, and I've even called him about, out by name. Um, but you're right. I mean, he looked really good at times. I mean, he he did some things. He had a couple tackles that reminded me of Andy Katzenmoyer. He had a couple of tackles that reminded me of something Darren Lee would do, you know? And I'm like, wow, this is this is pretty good. So... 
hey, if they can just get rid of Al Washington and get somebody that knows how to coach linebackers, maybe we got some good linebackers. And I say that because I've heard so many times this year that we just don't have the players on defense, which is just complete BS. Um, We've got so many four- and five-star players on that defense that it's got to be on coaching. In that linebacking core, even last year, with the linebackers, with the experience they had, and a couple of them are playing in the pros, so clearly they were good linebackers. Why did we look crappy last year in the linebacking core as well? Well, because, hey, we're covering a Heisman Trophy winner with a slow linebacker. It's the coaches. Um, Probably got off on that rant a little too soon, but um, now that the Rose Bowl's over, we have got to get rid of Coombs. We've got to get rid of Washington. I'm willing to give Larry Johnson the benefit of the doubt to say, you know, hey, with a different coaching staff around him, you know, maybe he was doing too much. I don't know, right? But that defensive line has not been good the past two years either. Um, but he's at least built a resume and has some credibility. Uh, otherwise, I think Washington's got to go. I think Coombs has to go. Barnes is already gone. Uh, he's chosen Memphis, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, but it's Memphis, so it probably would have been more hilarious if it were a decent Power 5 school uh, because another thing that the Rose Bowl showed is we didn't improve on defense hardly at all. We really didn't. Um, we got through a part of the schedule that was laughable, in Akron, Indiana, and a couple of others. Um, And it masked a lot of things. Uh, Michigan uh, exposed that we didn't really change much on defense. And Utah, of all teams, they had well over 300 yards in the first half of that game. Our defense did not improve at all. And so I find it kind of funny that somebody snatched Barnes up as a defensive coordinator like lickety-split. But at any rate... um, Eichenberg mm-hmm. look good. <laughs> uh, all of that rant uh, yeah. started, you know, talking about about Eichenberg. Well, I was going to say <clears throat> I do agree. You know, Washington should be gone, um, but I was going to use that to springboard into kind of you know that that similar point in that you know we've for all the our our listeners, especially who have listened since the beginning of the season and just listened to us, you know, continually bash the defense. Um, it at least from you know my points it's not really about the players yeah it is somewhat but we've been complaining more about coaches than we have players i mean players are there for a reason they're recruited to ohio state they're good players yes but it's the coaches who put them in in the positions with these certain schemes and so i don't really blame the players obviously there's stuff that you need to work on but and i'll mention a few points in this game too because all of this stuff is pure fundamentals, and it's all starting from a coaching perspective that they clearly haven't been hammering into their guys. Um, a good one was that third and one when Ronnie Hickman stopped the running back in the backfield, and instead of the linebackers beside him trying to contain, they stayed to the inside. The linebacker got to the outside or the running back got to the outside, and what do you have? You have three linebackers there who chase him around to the to the uh, corner and they're running back. It's like 30 yards. I mean, that's something simple that shouldn't happen. You know, someone has the back, you, you go to the outside, you contain him and you get him down. Um, 
Another one was just simply cornerback play. Ronnie Hickman again on that uh, on that backup quarterback leading that touchdown drive, where he gets beat. The ball's underthrown. You can easily intercept the ball. Just turn your head around. I don't know why our cornerbacks have such a problem. Carrie Coombs, like you get, yeah, you get beat. There's a high likelihood that that ball is probably going to the guy you're covering. Just turn around, turn your head. It takes a split second to turn your head. The ball's coming. You jump for it. I mean, if you miss it, you miss it. But I mean, good lord. I mean, this has been a thing forever. That was just a big one. Um, and then, of course, you know, miss tackling. Obviously, it's tough. You know, Kate Stover. Um, you know, trying practicing for two weeks, you know, going from tight end to linebacker. Obviously, you got to fill some of those gaps. Um, they, they did better with that in the second half, but there definitely was a lot of missed tackling in the first half. Um, so I, all, all this stuff is just simple, fundamental stuff, you know, angles, uh, coverage, um, tackling. I mean, all simple stuff that all these guys know how to do. Uh, they just... I think it's just these coaches. They don't put them in the proper situations to be actually, you know, able to play and, and do the things they're supposed to do. And they don't seem to so, correct it I, or teach it. I mean, I'm not there, so I don't know if this is the case, but I can't believe that they're actually teaching proper. Baffles me what they do in practice. Do they just hit? I, I, I don't know. I don't. But they clearly, to your point, aren't teaching fundamentals. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about the scheme, which has been an issue for zone coverage all year, um, which, I mean, it was, again, you know, holes wide open in the middle of the field. Which is fine. And, I get the concept uh, of keeping things in front of you. You don't want to get beat long. That was the that was the issue in 2018, because there was some debate on the internet, you know, recently about, you know, this being the worst defense of all time at Ohio State, and, you know, people chime in, well, you know, 2018 was pretty bad as well, and they're right. Uh, the difference was they both had this, the issue of angles and not keeping the edge and letting teams get around the edge. Um, the two differences with this year is our middle of the line was a lot weaker for some reason. And in 2018, we gave up a lot of long passes, um, whereas this year we weren't giving up as many. We were keeping in front. But keeping it in front doesn't mean... <laughs> Giving up a first down every freaking time on third and long, you know? Right. And, I mean, yeah, that's better, but it's still consistent. I mean, it's the same spots in the middle, on the on the outside, uh, those flats. I mean, those were constantly open all year. You know, that's something we we talked about. But, it, you know, and it, it was, of course, the, the wrong blitzes at the wrong time, which we saw again, you know, in the Rose Bowl. That they would send these pressures, but uh, they were easily picked up by the offense. No one got home, and of course they convert. You know those pass plays. So that's hopefully what what the new DC will change. Um, obviously, better pressures, better uh, blitz schemes to actually hit home. You know quickly, so they can't hit those open holes in the zone. But we'll see. We will see. Hey, uh, just very quickly, you know, while we're talking, you had mentioned, hey, it's a a big year. It was actually a big year for us. Um, And I want to just take this time to uh, thank all of the people that actually (laughs) 
uh, do listen to us, sometimes I wonder, you know, what is wrong with you? Uh, it's kind of like the, uh, the, <laughs> the one Saturday Night Live episode long time back. I'm showing my age, obviously, but it was uh, William Shatner was on Saturday Night Live. And the, com- uh, the sketch was, you know, he's at a, uh, at a sci-fi convention. And you have all these people dressed up in their Star Wars stuff, or Star Wars, Star, Star Trek stuff. Well, Star Wars too, because it was a, it was a convention, right? So it wasn't just Star Trek, but you know, and you had you know, wearing their Spock ears and things like that. And William Shatner gets up to the mic and just kind of you know deadpans. He's like, "What is wrong with you people?" <laughs> He's like, well, "Get a life." Um, I am, obviously, I'm saying that in jest. I love it that people are, are listening to this. But uh, as much as we do rant and, you know, speak for myself, you know, sometimes sound like a complete idiot, uh, I do kind of want to say, what is wrong with you people? Uh, but we, uh, our, our listenership went up 80% this year. Uh, our number of followers went up 62% oh, nice. uh, this year. Um for our part, we, we pumped out a lot more content, uh, even though we, you know, we probably frustrated a lot of people with timing and, and some production quality here and there and whatnot, but 483% more hours uh, that we, we published. Um, let's see if there's anything else cool here. Uh, oh, <laughs> this is funny. So people are probably saying, well, you know, you know, 100% of zero is still zero, right? Um, but we had a handful, and it really is a handful of listeners that listen to our podcast more than any other podcast. Now, the, hey. the first thing that comes <laughs> to mind, it must be some you know, person in an old folks home that has no idea that he's listening to a, a podcast and stumbled across this one. He's a Buckeye fan. And so he doesn't listen to anything else, but, <laughs> but no, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, that we, we, our listenership has gone up. Um, I don't know. We haven't got to the point yet where we're doing our polls and getting a lot of feedback. You know, it could be the f- fact that, you know, they, they're got some weird reason for listening to this, but at any rate, um, I thought that was that was pretty cool, uh, so I thought I would share that. Yeah. Plus, we have yeah, listeners awesome. in, in a lot of different countries, which is kind of funny as well. Um, we've that got. Hold on, I'm trying to bring this up. Yeah, give me a second. We have listeners in United States, obviously Germany, Ireland, Brazil. Uh, the UK, New Zealand, Singapore, um, France, <laughs> Canada, and this one, Nigeria. Nigeria. We have right. listeners in Nigeria, which I think is interesting. Well, thank you f- from abroad. Yeah, I'll, I'll personally say thank you real quick. Obviously, you know, first and foremost, we're just fans. Obviously, we love the game of football. We love our Buckeyes. Um, you know, are we a big... Um, on analysis, no, not much. I mean, we like to think we know what we're talking about. We both played football in, in some capacity, obviously not collegiate. Um, I mean, we, we know a little bit here and there, but a skosh. Obviously, we, we just we just love uh, we love the game of football. We love college football, although it's definitely um, becoming a lot different than it used to be. Uh, 
which we may get into as the years come. But, um, yeah, obviously, as long as the Buckeyes are playing, and we'll, we'll be here. So That's right. That's right. So all you people out there, out there on them there internets, just keep on coming. Which I, I think um, with we, we did one. with that voice, you know, did you want to segue into the uh, the college football playoff, which well, which of yeah, course we'll has culminated in an all SEC national championship game, and so I'm just here to tell all you folk that these two dummies, especially the one at the microphone right now. I was ranting on and on about the SEC. Well, you dumb fellers, did you see what happened? That their SEC, they's got two teams and the national championship. Two teams. That's right. Yes, they do. Um, which, you know, it's not really that surprising. Look, we've, we've talked about it in our beginning year previews. Um, the team's consistently with the most talent are the ones getting back to the national title games. And over the past, you know, five years, Alabama and Georgia have been a top recruiting. Um, I think you saw that against Michigan with Georgia, just, just the talent completely on display, uh, just so much better. Um, and that's, that's where, that's where we're at. I mean, the, the teams that recruit the best continue to win. Um, still doesn't mean that SEC is the best conference. Um, there's a lot of mediocre teams in that conference. You just have two great teams that continue to recruit well and will continue to. And if they do, they will continue to be at the top of the pack for years to come. Um, well, it's mostly I, because they just have a I bunch know. of numbskulls as coaches. But um, you're right, and I like the way you, you, you posted it because it is something that we have talked about repeatedly. You know, you have to, in order to make it to the playoffs, there are two exceptions now, now that Cincinnati has made it. But if you do not have a average top 10 recruiting class with minor exceptions, even in that, for five years, you will not make the playoffs. Now, again, UC was an exception this year. You have to go all the way back to 2015 when Michigan State was an exception when their average was like in the 20s. Still a decent team. Um, but I'm glad you brought it up that way because the two teams that are consistently extremely high are Georgia and Alabama. Because you even asked me, while Georgia was pummeling the crap out of Michigan, you're like, well, you're going to have to retract well, I don't know what the words were, but you know, kind of retract you know, my my rant on the prior episode that uh, you know, LOL at the SEC, they were 0 5 at the time, you know. And no, it doesn't take away from the fact that they still have now I don't know what's gonna to happen tonight, but with only thirty nine scholarship players, I don't know that LSU really has a chance. Um, SEC is sitting at a losing record. Um my rant wasn't about Alabama or Georgia per se. I've done that before. It was about this constant every single year treating the SEC as a whole like they're this awesome conference, and they are not. And that was clear. Now, I think the BAM and Georgia notwithstanding, where that kind of hits a little bit, though, is the fact that the Big Ten did kind of belly up in their um, 
head-to-heads with the SEC. Um, but nothing egregious, I think, what, one and two? Um, and the Kentucky-Iowa game could have gone either way, really. Um, Arkansas benefited from the fact that Penn State didn't have anybody playing, and I think Clifford got hurt, didn't he? Um, or at least he was not in the game at the end when I was watching. Some other quarterback was in. So, And we already saw that Penn State without a quarterback is not very good. Um, so the point being is no. The fact that Georgia and Bama are in the national championship does not take away what I said about the SEC. They are not all that. Those two teams are. <laughs> Clearly they are. But the rest are not. Um, especially teams like A&M who, you know, I don't know, did they chicken out of their game? Uh, when I saw the re- the headline was due to uh, COVID and 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 uh, you know f- players injured etc. It wasn't COVID. There were other qualifiers, and it's like okay, so you're saying a couple people got COVID and they're using this as an excuse to not play their football game. That was pretty sad. Because um, you take away Bama and Georgia, which is kind of what you did in the bowl games. SEC is not all that great. No, but I mean, we talked about the playoff matchups. Uh, they went, you know, pretty much like we expected. I I did think Michigan would put up a pretty good game. Uh, excuse me, pretty good game. Clearly, they didn't. Um, I was pretty accurate with uh, Alabama, Cincinnati, um, and you know, honestly, the, the game wasn't as bad as the score seemed to. No indicate i mean cincinnati played i mean cincinnati played pretty good defense yes uh they're just their offense was terrible and they had no shot uh which i figured um they gave alabama some fits and they they did a decent job they just run that three three five scheme and they just couldn't stop the run and they refused to to change anything yeah and and Um, that's just it i i obviously i predicted the upset um but i thought the offense would at least show up a little bit and they didn't and in the georgia game that game went how i originally thought i kind of went back and forth on that because after the ohio state game you know i said it even then that was michigan's game you could tell they wanted it and they had been battling for that one game all year and i thought that there would be a letdown well as luck would have it they ended up playing iowa which you know iowa's got no offense whatsoever and so when the playoffs were originally announced, and I think you and I were to get, uh, together at some point, and you even heard me say, I don't think I said it on this program, but I said it was, I think Georgia's going to crush them, you know? But then I wavered a little bit. I'm like, okay, Michigan did beat Iowa pretty soundly after the Ohio State game, so maybe not much of a letdown. They should have um, matched up better. They, you know, cause you started talking about it and I started thinking about it, like, you're right. They do match up a little bit better. Georgia and Michigan, they're similar. Um, but then these idiots on Michigan just kept talking and talking and talking like they had arrived, like they were on, you know, that, you know, they might as well have had revenge tour shirts. And, and at that point, and I, I said it on the prediction episode, I wanted to say, uh, Georgia big, but I'm like, no, I don't know. So I kind of said, no, Georgia will cover. And so I got it, but I am not surprised, uh, that Georgia beat the crap out of Michigan. Um, and it also goes to another thing too. Uh, Alabama and Georgia are also in the national championship because of matchups. I mean, first of all, you see, 
Yeah, I did have them at number four at the very end of the year, but I still don't think they belonged. Um, my number five team was Ohio State. Um, Ohio State would have fared a lot better than Michigan, but we saw with their – and I think their defense would have been better because they would have been up for this. But uh, at the end of the day, matchups. Bama got UC, which, yeah, I can sit and talk about upsets and why I think an upset might happen, but come on, it's UC. Uh, they p- pretty much punched their ticket in. And Michigan, nah. I just, I think there could have been several other matchups from other teams that would have given both Georgia and Bama more fits. Um, and I think it's important, right? Because at the end of the day, I think that's also a reason why it's those two from the SEC, because they got lucky with the terrible matchups. Uh, that they had. Partly, and, and I was wrong. I, I did think Michigan would match up better against Georgia, and, and clearly they didn't. Um, you know, Georgia went in that game and said, your ends are not going to beat us. And so they took him out of the game. They let their interior offensive line go one-on-one, and they won that, and so they were able to run the ball. Uh, and I think the biggest thing was they they passed really well, especially on first downs. Um, you know, Sessa Bennett was never really under any pressure. He had ample time. Um, a lot of, you know, first and second down completions. Uh, they, they moved the ball, you know, efficiently and effectively. Uh, there was, you know, really never any danger. Um, and Michigan, once the run was taken away, um, like we said all year, you know, you make – McNamara had to do something. He's not the quarterback that's going to be able to do that, and he wasn't. Um, they couldn't move the ball at all after you know that first drive. <clears throat> I think the key play was that that fourth down um, because they hadn't moved the ball. They had that fourth down. Uh, it was incomplete, and then you know what? Uh, a few plays later, Georgia scores and goes up fourteen, and then Michigan is having to come from behind, which they you know never really had to do, but that Michigan State game, um, you know, and against that level of talent, obviously they just weren't able to do it. Um, and like I said in the, in the preview, obviously, we're Ohio State fans. Um, I'll root for the Big Ten, all except for Michigan. Uh, you never never root for Michigan. Uh, we never. always hope they lose. They lost, and it was glorious. Um, <laughs> super, super. <laughs> So I, you know, I'm, I'm sure fans uh, wouldn't have traded. They won the Big Ten. They got to the playoffs. You finally got to that stage. So uh, congratulations. We'll we'll see you next year. But yeah, the playoffs I'm won't not surprised at all. The playoffs won't see Michigan <laughs> yeah. next year. Michigan can go back to their hole now for for another 24 whatever years. Right. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised by the outcomes at all. Um, and yeah, I'm not surprised that it's yet again Alabama versus Georgia. Uh, but you know, I, I, I don't think uh, Alabama's is that great uh, of a team this year. Um, they had a lot of stuff go on, but they they overcame. Uh, they could have easily lost multiple games, and they didn't. So props to them. Yes, uh, and they're in the national championship. So I, I mean, obviously, despite all all that, losing a lot of guys, uh, they still have a chance to win the title, which is you know credit to Saban and and what he's built there. Um, I mean, you can't deny that fact. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable. So, kudos to that. Um, 
we'll probably get into a preview here next episode. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be uh, an exciting game. Um, don't know how much of it I'll watch, but I think it'll be a good rematch. Uh, well, I hope so. I mean, I think Georgia's the better team. You're right. Alabama wasn't that great this year, but uh, you know, it, with Nick Saban, uh, you know, they don't have to always be great. He get him to the playoffs and he tends to know what to do. Um, but I, I still think Georgia's a better team, but they clearly have an issue <laughs> when it comes to playing Bama. Um, and so I, I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll get into it on our next episode, but I, I'm right now not sure who to pick because of that. Yep. Um, yeah, not much more to say. It was a, it was a great uh, great weekend, a good game of, of, you know, big bull games for all the people opting out. And, um, you know, even though these bull games really don't mean anything, um, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, great comeback by Oklahoma State. Of course, Ohio State uh, with the, the thrilling Rose Bowl win. Corral going down in the Sugar Bowl and Baylor just taking that defense to the, to the win. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there are some, uh, some good games, Purdue, Tennessee. So for all the crap bowl games, like there always are, there were definitely some good ones this year. So, yeah. And I will it. say that that is one of the things because the, the playoff committee, they, they basically select those as well for the most part, I think, right. Particularly the New Year's six games. Um, and, yeah, I think there were some really good matchups. Oklahoma State-Notre Dame, clearly a good matchup. Ole Miss-Baylor, that was a good matchup. Uh, Ohio State-Utah ended up being a good matchup. Uh, yeah, Michigan State, it wasn't a good uh, a good matchup. So uh, I think they did a, a pretty good job with that. Yeah, well, obviously a good bombastic episode. Uh, we'll have... Uh, you know, looking into the uh, future, of course, we'll do, we'll do the preview for Alabama and Georgia. And then we'll also do, you know, a little, um, I think, uh, year in review um, where we were, were right on some picks where we weren't. Uh, and just kind of looking over Ohio State's year and, you know, into next year, the off season, kind of previewing that. But either way, um yeah, Ohio State year comes to a close, sadly. Uh, Ohio State finishes 11-2, Rose Bowl champions. Um, but all in all, um, a good year of football. Thankfully, fans back in the stands, um, the atmosphere. You know, it was a joy to actually be able to go to a game this year um, and, and experience that. So, You are correct, sir. Okay, do I hear in your voice... The suggestion that we have now come to an end of this, another amazing episode of Buckeye Bombast with Bill David and the Boy. I doth concur.